Welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop here alongside Trey Colbeck and Adam Stewart. Welcome one and all to our live Week 10 CFL preview here on the Canadian Football Countdown. Double digits on the weeks here, guys. Can you believe it? The season is rolling along. We're pretty much at the midway point here. Uh, and we've got a lot of fun things to talk about coming into this week. We are live on a variety of different platforms, all made possible by our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. Learn more at facebook.com slash Game Time TV MB. Welcome to everybody joining us live. We'll be taking your questions and comments in the live chat throughout the night as well. Hello to everybody listening or watching after the fact. Also, before I bring in the rest of the panel, I do want to mention we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And as always, want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojakree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Now let's bring in the rest of the panel here this evening in the middle of the screen. If you're watching the video, is the great Trey Colbeck. Trey, how are you today? Doing fantastic, boys. Oh, like always, ready to talk football. And uh, yeah, not didn't have as a great day with the track today. So let's focus on some football uh, going forward. Yes, uh, of course, uh, Trey. A pretty good day on Monday on the uh, on the race tracks. A good weekend of uh, CFL betting this past weekend. We'll see what he has in store for us here later on today as well. Joining us also here this evening, the great Adam Stewart is back once again. Adam, how are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing good, Ryan. Just ready to go and talk some football and uh, move on to more and bigger and better things. I think we're only two weeks away from harvest here, so things are getting exciting around this area. Right on. Of course, you can uh, see all of Adam's uh, fun farming content over on his Twitter or his YouTube. Uh, we'll point that to, uh, of course, later on as well. Um you know, week 10, we're at, we're here, we're ready to preview it. We're going to talk storylines here. We're going to talk CFL fantasy options. We're going to talk betting uh, here this evening as well. Of course, this episode of the podcast is sponsored in part by BetStamp. BetStamp, a free app that helps you find the best odds across different sports books. Maximize value of your online sports betting wagers. Learn more at uh, betstamp.app and sign up with your referral code CFC. Uh, let's start off with the storylines here this evening. And for that, we go to our resident storytelling expert, uh, the great Adam Stewart. Adam, take it away with game number one here for us. Well, of course, game number one is on Thursday Night Football when the Montreal Alouettes and their air horns show up to take on the world's loudest fans, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, as they've self-anighted themselves as well. I think the first storyline that we go into this one here is that Winnipeg is going to get a lot healthier, I think, this week with the return. It uh, looks like he's on the depth chart already uh, of uh, Greg Ellingson. Uh, first things first, what does this mean for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Uh, Ryan, let's go to you. I mean, having Greg Ellingson back is massive. We saw, I mean, throughout the everybody's been talking about Dalton shown as the great new addition in Winnipeg, but really Greg Ellingson has been just as good, if not better. Uh, you know, like uh, he has been Coleros' go-to guy. Coleros has thrown the ball to him in triple coverage, and Ellingson finds a way to bring it down every single time, uh, which is incredible. Uh, having him back is a huge piece of that offense, and I think is even going to make is going to make it more dangerous. Now we've got 
Ellingson back. You've got, you know, Dalton Schoen still playing well. Nick Dembski back from injury all at the same time. Like the, the, that, that Winnipeg receiving core is looking pretty scary right now, Trey. Sorry, guys, I was trying to pull up the depth charts. Yeah, the, I got one. I only got one thing to say about Winnipeg. 10 and 0. 10 and 0. That's all I got, man. Like, they, there's, there's, yeah, it's the back to back. And I'm sure Adam's going to talk that up and, you know, try to burst our bubbles. But looking at this game, it's, yeah, it is. it's really hard. It's really hard unless you uh, live in Saskatchewan to take a look at this game and say the Bombers are going to lose. My biggest worry is are they going to win by 11 and cover that spread later, which we'll talk about. That's my biggest worry, but I have a tough time thinking they're not going to win by at least a rouge. So I think uh, I think I'd expect to this. Undef- I think if one team's going to end this, uh, it's going to be Saskatchewan and Labor Day. And I think that's when the Bombers might suffer their first loss at this at this rate. Well, you know what? I'm still looking at this team and thinking, boy, are they confident right now? I mean, they're playing a team that's really kind of subpar in the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, they're a great team, though. Uh, when they get going, they can beat a team. Uh, we did see Dominic Davis also on the Montreal side of the ball uh, start practices uh, first uh, first game on Monday. I believe he actually was taking the starting reps. Uh, is this a thing going forward, or did Trevor Harris already – lose his job as well because we know that Vernon Adams Jr. is on the six-game injured list. What's going on in Montreal in that uh, quarterbacking situation, Trey? Sorry, who's on the six-game injured? Uh, Vernon Adams? Is that what you said? Okay. Yeah, Harris is number one on the depth chart, so I'm not too concerned about it. It's probably just a TLC day. He probably got, I mean, you play that Winnipeg defense, I'm sure you want an extra day off and then you need a deck and you're going to see them again the next week. Um, no, I think if he's going to lose his job, it's going to be to Verdon Adams if possibly. Uh, I, I can't see them trading him, not smartly. If they do, that'd be one of the worst trades in history, just below the Gretzky one, which happened, uh, what, 34 years ago this week. So I, I can't see Verdon Adams going anywhere. He, to me, this is his team. I'm really confused about this. But Trevor Harris is on the depth chart. I believe I was even trying to trade for him today on our fantasy league, which I don't know why. When I saw that, I was like, no, no, no. I got to reevaluate my life a little bit here and maybe go talk to my therapist. But I I think – I don't know what to think about the quarterbacks. I don't know what's going on in Montreal. They made a bit worse decision in uh, firing Kahari. Machacho is not doing much better. I don't know, Ryan, man. What do you make of this mess in Montreal? Yeah, Dominic Davis was the starter the first day in practice this week uh, because Harris was out with injury. Uh, it sounded like it was lingering effects from the hit that uh, the spotter took him out a couple weeks ago at the, at the end of the game there. Uh, he played injured last week, and he's gonna whether or not he's 100% healthy, he's going to start again this week. So, uh, yeah, when I first saw that, that news that Dom Davis was the, the starter the first day in practice, that took me a bit by surprise because I wouldn't put it past Montreal to necessarily go to the third string guy as their quarterback here. Um, but it was just a, a maintenance day for him. Trevor Harris is the guy, and I think Trevor Harris is who Danny Machocha is going to have as a starter here going forward. I would still love to see Vernon Adams get a shot here. He is on the six-game injured list, of course. He is actually out with due to injury right now with, I believe, an elbow injury, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so it is going to be a bit of time before we see him back, and uh, it's going to be Trevor Harris here going forward, trying to find some consistency in that Montreal offense. 
Well, let's face it, consistency might be hard, a little bit harder to come by uh, with another uh, bit of injuries for the uh, Montreal Alouettes to talk about. Uh, like we said before, uh, Trevor Harris didn't have a practice on Monday, was limited on uh, Wednesday as well. Uh, he also is joined by Eugene Lewis, who has been limited in practice this whole week with a hip injury. That it doesn't spell very good for the offense over for Montreal as well. Uh, seeing as Eugene Lewis is their top receiver right now, and Jake Wenicke has been, well, almost non-existent so far. Uh, when we look at the defense on both sides of the football, pretty uh, pretty well one-sided again here, more for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers' defensive line. Uh, Winnipeg has a full defensive line going into this game here. Uh, everybody looks like they're healthy. Jeff Coat looks like he's ready to rumble again. Uh, what do you make of this? And again, with Trevor Harris, is this going to be one of those matchups to watch, uh, Brian? I don't know because I keep saying this every week about Trevor Harris not being a mobile quarterback and that uh, the defensive lines are just going to eat him up. And I feel like they haven't really done so spectacularly. Like the Bombers defense put up a decent day against them last week, shut them down decently well but not quite to the extent I would expect the likes of Jefferson and Jeff Coat and Adam Big Hill and the likes to do so. So maybe that's more of a credit to Montreal's offensive line, who I think is one of the most underrated in the league. But, you know, certainly if the D line can get through, like you've got the playmakers there, throw Trevor Harris off of his game. I think we saw that a couple of times, especially in the playoffs last season where Okay, a defense, you know, Hamilton's defense got to him. They forced a couple of fumbles, and that really threw the tide of the game. So I, I think that's what you're looking at here. If Winnipeg, you can get to him early, especially with the home crowd. That could throw Harris off of his game here uh, is what I'm looking at from the Winnipeg defensive side. Uh, Trey? No, oh, yeah, guys. I, I think it's <clears throat> actually looking at the nifty stats they have on CFL.com, though, Montreal leading in a fair bit of categories. You know, they lead in total yards per game by only one and a half yards, but that leading in that, they're leading in passing yards per game over the Bombers by about 13. They're, and they're also leading by 0.1 sacks per game. Uh, Montreal's got 2.3 and Winnipeg's got 2.2 this year. Winnipeg's got to put a little bit more pressure, especially on Trevor Harris, who's not a mobile quarterback. I think you got to push. Uh, we're going to talk a little gameplay here. You got to push. Will, uh, Jefferson's got to go wide, and the other guy on the other end's got to go wide. I'm escaping his name right now. Jeff Coe, the two end guys. They got to go wide and contain him. I and uh, Thomas and Sales up the middle. I don't think you're going to worry about Trevor Harris doing any quick sneaks up the middle. And if he does, he's not going to get too far before uh, Biggie comes in and closes on him. Right. So you got to contain him. Uh, you got to, you know, make them, if they're going to win, if Montreal's going to win, it's going to be through the arm of Trevor Harris and that, and maybe some great defensive plays or special teams. You know, we're going to talk about Phil Pot. I want, you know, he's, he's been pretty hot on special teams. A guy like that could definitely swing the game. I want to see him on offense too, you know, definitely open things up. But again, looking at, Looking at the Winnipeg defense again, looking at the Winnipeg team, if you're looking at this, if this was a gate team on Madden, it's really hard not to give them 99s everywhere, even though they're not playing at their best of their potential. But Oliver is getting better. Caleros is, you know, arguably MOP candidate. Uh, Shone's unreal. Ellingson's up back. Bailey's maybe not having the great year, but Wolotowski had a big game. And then look at the defense. You're really not giving some of these guys like, you know, 90s on Madden. This, it's hard to really find a place where this team can get better in Winnipeg. So 
But I think, again, Trevor Harris could throw the ball in the find some holes, you know. So we'll see what happens on Thursday. It'll be interesting to see how many chances Trevor Harris takes as well with that defense coming down on top of him. Uh, Blommers lead the league right now in turnover, plus minus at plus 11. Uh, outlets are negative four. So, I mean, that's a big storyline to kind of keep an eye on as well because Trevor Harris does like handing or throwing off the ball quite a bit. Uh, another little quick thing to talk about is the penalty issue. Uh, for the Montreal Alouettes. We have to bring it up every week. I hate to do it because I know I'm going to have to bring it up in three games time as well. Uh, this being said, what does is there anything that Danny Machocha can do to stop these penalties from taking place besides starting a bench, guys? Or is that really the only option here, Trey? Uh, he could pay the refs. You know, that's probably the other option. No, yeah, it, it's... it's co- it, Penalties is a tough one. I, I I usually put penalties on the coach. Yes, it's the players who are doing it, but you you need to put that mentality and have that winning and that culture. And you're coming into Winnipeg, a place where uh, we're, we're proud of uh, causing uh, uh, procedures. You know, we we put the number up on the board every time it happens. Hasn't happened a lot this year, but I, this could be one of the games where. Uh, I think uh, the Winnipeg faithful will be standing up and cheering a few times, and that number might go up a few times. Like I said, I think I heard 28,000 from Bombers officials could be going in on Thursday, and that's just what it is now. You never know what it could be. It, you know, it's supposed to be a beautiful day in Winnipeg on Thursday night. Yeah, you know, you're, if I was my, if I was the coaching staff, I would have been pumping in that air horn. Whoever has that air horn, I would have been sitting there all day in practice helping these guys with uh, cranked music. And maybe even Toronto with their fake music could have came into Montreal and helped them through the week and, and you know, and got them ready for that. Because I think that one's going to kill them. Yeah, hold it. And then that's a couple procedures, a couple holdings, a couple defensive pass interferences. And next thing you know, Montreal's given up 100-plus yards and penalties and just given the Bombers points. And there's not a team you should be given given points. Right, Ryan? Yeah, that last line you had there was exactly what I was going to say, is uh, you can't afford to take dumb penalties against Winnipeg because they'll make you pay for it. We've seen various teams this season play close games with the Bombers, but mostly the one thing you can pinpoint is discipline or turnovers that ends up turning the tide. And that's something Montreal is going to have to limit here if they can, uh, if they can, you know, pull out a win here. Interestingly enough, guys, this week, Gary Stern did not go out and necessarily guarantee a win. Uh, we've got, I've got the tweet here. Uh, the, uh, the week has flown by fast tomorrow. I really, really hope we put it all together and beat Winnipeg. Be a great start to the second half of the season. Tags all the reporters. What do you think, boys? We win, says Gary Stern on Twitter. And, oh, look, it's uh, a guy we recognize in the replies on this one. At, at Adam Stewart one. Uh, I know I'll be having a poutine and cheering the Alouettes this week. Uh, Adam trying to uh, suck up to Gary Stern there a little bit. Well, hey, I mean, you know what? They're playing a team that the Riders have to catch. I'm going to cheer for the opposite team, no matter which team it is. Just in this case, because it's Montreal, I get to eat a poutine while I'm doing it. So that's always a good thing. I just wish I had that cool little helmet to do that. So, you know, Gary, if you're listening, I could use one of those Montreal on the West helmets. I, I mean, I gladly eat a poutine on the show out of one of those. If, if I get one, that's for sure. So, uh, you, oh, I guess final thoughts, guys, on this game here. Uh, before, uh, oh yeah, hey, Gary replied. Cool. I mean, we're, we're close. What can I say? Uh, any final thoughts on this game here before we move on to the next one? Nah, right? 
Yeah, the only thing I'm excited to see in this one is the starting running back for Montreal, Tavian Feaster, who if you listen to our bonus episode with uh, Brandon Sanders from CFF, at CFF University, you know, uh, took us through a college uh, player that's now on a, each CFL roster and was uh, kind of a stud in college fantasy. Well, Tavian Feaster was his guy from the Montreal Alouettes, so we saw him get in a little bit last week in a backup role. He now takes the start over at Jeshron Antwi. Walter Fletcher is a healthy scratch. So uh, a guy who, you know, was number three on the on the list on the depth chart uh, a little while ago, making his way up the ranks, gets a chance. Tough matchup, though, with Winnipeg, but uh, we'll see what he can do. Trey, any final thoughts from you on this game? Yeah, I try I try really hard not to be a homer, but I just got to say 10-0, 10-0, that's going to be all you hear uh, third and fourth quarter at IG Field on Thursday, especially if they got a lead. It's going to be 10-0, and they're going to do Ryan's favorite thing, the wave, and they're going to get cheering on offense, which I can't stand. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be a great – it's going to be a great night at IG Field. I hate the wave so much. I hate, I hear all of these single things, the uh, – Counting the procedure thing, the uh, going and uh, having to wave an offense and fans whining about it. it. It sounds very similar to a team that's a little bit east of uh, Winnipeg, but nevertheless. I, I like the comment we have here from Richard in the YouTube chat. Uh, should I take a Winnipeg backup QB in fantasy week because of all the one-yard TD sneaks, uh, courtesy of the Montreal pass interference penalties? We'll get to it in fantasy later, but... Uh, hey, if you're feeling risky, uh, you might be onto something there, Richard. You know, and also one other comment that I wanted to get to here was uh, from Chris Hominick. Uh, will the Owls play four quarters this game? I'll tell you right now, if the Alouettes can play a full four t- quarters, they could win this game. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers have not pulled a full four quarters in yet this season. They've put in the quarters that matter, the last of the third and the fourth quarter. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers have been very, very good. But in the first half, sometimes the Bombers aren't beatable. So if you can get and get to the throat early of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, maybe Gary Stern's team might just have a chance of winning this game after all. Uh, moving on to the next game that we have here. It's the Toronto Alouettes. Or Toronto Alouettes. There's a different story. Anyways, we'll go with the Toronto Argonauts. They're going to be traveling this week uh, for the back of a home-and-home home as well against the Hamilton Tiger Cats over in Tim Hortons Field. I think the big thing that we got to watch in this game, can one of these teams start it actually in the first quarter versus starting uh, playing in the fourth quarter? That was kind of a snooze fest, I think, last week until maybe about halfway through the third quarter. Uh, what do these teams need to do to get off a little bit quicker and get, get the ball rolling a little bit faster, Trey? I well, they got to run the damn ball, right? You got Andrew Harris, maybe arguably the greatest, one of the greatest Canadian running backs, not running backs of the last twenty years in Toronto, and you got to run the ball like that's how you get your offense going. And and Hamilton's got to do the same with their guys. And you know, I hate talking about the East versus East matchups; they're so hard to talk about. You know. Because when you look at the standings, oh, Toronto's better. This should be Toronto's game. Yeah, it's the second one of a back-to-back, and Hamilton's going to have a packed field at Iverwin or Tim Hortons. I keep calling it Iverwin. I know it's Tim Hortons Field now. It's not the same place, though, isn't it? Like, basically. So, anyway, it's it's going to be a tough one. I, I Again, this was another game I had a tough time talk, looking at the line. I think Hamilton's favored by, like, one or two, so it's basically a, a close to a pick I don't know. It, it, I think it's going to be a. T, it's going to be like last week. I think Hamilton lost it, 
more than Toronto won it. And I think it's going to be the same thing this week. Whichever team wakes up on Friday morning saying, I feel like losing a football game today, that's going to be the team who loses, right, Ryan? Yeah, and especially Hamilton, you know, that's the second time this year it seems they've given a game away. You go back to that one against Calgary that went to overtime earlier on in the season. It seems like, again, two teams that struggle to play 60 minutes, struggle to keep consistency of the ball. And uh, Hamilton might be a little in tough here. I'm interested to see if the lines move as we go along because starting quarterback Dane Evans is doubtful for Friday night, which means Matt Schultz comes in as the starter, which that happens i'm very excited i liked what he did in his time, rare time in montreal and i'm excited to see what he can do with it but uh you know you're out you're starting quarterback you're out braylon addison's out with an achilles injury i mean you could go to the injury report for both of these teams and maybe you were going there yet adam here uh, in, in this segment but you can start scrolling through and then come back and tell me when you're done 10 minutes later because that's how long these lists are for both of these teams we saw like 10 injuries in the last game alone and bad ones at that. Um, yeah, I think these two, are, two, we get into, you know, a doubleheader now, then they get a break from each other, then another doubleheader coming up between these teams. I think part of it is just maybe play some safe football early on in the game, you know, get get whatever momentum you can early in the game, right, to, to move it a little bit, get some points on the board. And then you got to come out and play in the second half and make the adjustments you need to, especially with a close matchup like this. You know, I think if anything, if the Twitter uh, handles from Hamilton and from Toronto show anything, there ain't going to be no way taking it easy on the field if they play the same way that the guys on Twitter play against each other uh, for their rivals during this game. So uh, I'm just going to run through that injury report. Like you said, Ryan, uh, they are missing some significant pieces here. Uh, Pappy White will be out with a knee or a back injury here. They can't decide if it's a knee or a back, apparently. Uh, Dane Evans, uh, right shoulder, did not practice. He's doubtful for this week. Uh, Mike Jones is out uh, or questionable this week. Rib cage and a lot of outs. Chris Van Zyl, Braylon Addison will be out for a long time, announcing today that he has an Achilles injury. Uh, you've also got Curtis Newton. You've got Brady Felment, uh, Felmate. You've got uh, Mason Bennett. You've got Anthony uh, Federer, Federico, uh, Kyle Wilson. You've got Anthony Johnson, uh, Nick Cross. He's been a big piece in that D, uh, linebacking core. D injury won't be playing this week. Uh, and also Wes Hills, who just came back. He had a shoulder injury. Uh, however, he has been practicing, so he's likely to play this week, namely because I don't know who else is going to be able to play this week. If you look over on the other side of the football, the Argonauts, same thing. Lots and lots of injuries. I just accidentally hit the X button, so you have to bear with me for one second uh, while I pull that up once more here. But uh, Brandon Banks injured this week. Questionable. Did not practice on Tuesday, but that was personal reasons. Probably going to go. Uh, Juwan Vrexison has been uh, limited in practice with a groin injury. Uh, you look at Andrew Harris has been limited uh, with a wrist injury. Shaq uh, Richardson, also questionable, didn't practice all week with a groin injury. Eric Rogers, again, did not practice this week with a quad injury. Also, Eric Sutton, questionable this week with a hip injury. So lots and lots and lots of injuries for both teams here. You're right. If there's a way of them maybe playing some touch football, flag football, might just work better for both of these teams. Uh, I think if we see that Brandon Banks is playing this week in in Hamilton, uh what do we think on Brandon Banks doing something this week 
to start getting his uh, Argos career started up against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, are you guys thinking Brandon Banks this week? Right. I, I don't know because he was the backup last week, right? He because uh, Eric Rogers came back into the lineup. It's a very full wide receiving course over in Toronto. Uh, you've got Eric Rogers back, Vargas Daniels, Marquise Ambles. You've got Cam Phillips is coming on strong. Curly Gittens Jr. Like Brandon Banks is, is going to have a hard time fitting into a starting role there. It's interesting. You look at the fantasy uh, uh, prices, and his seems to keep dropping and dropping. Could we get to a point yet this season where Brandon Banks is a $2,500 value play, uh, which would be absolutely insane uh, to see that happen. I've been waiting for him to get in for a game against Hamilton here. I feel like they have to uh, one of these days. And, and, and you know, you, it seems like a guy that might be riled up, motive, a little extra motivated in here. I could also see all of these you know, both of these teams doing a lot of lineup uh, shakeups over the next month or so for all of these matchups, you know, to try to gain a little bit of an edge. Oh, they're used to seeing this. Well, now let's throw this guy in. So I don't know if this is the week necessarily for Banks, but uh, I- I'm hoping we see uh, him back in a starting role and having a good game one of these weeks against his former team, Trey. Yeah, I hope he can perform, but I don't know if he is. I I. Like again, he's probably going to be second on the depth chart. He did see some time, but I think the most uh, the most screen time he got is like when he should have got an offensive pass interference last week, right? And the rest let that one go. And then other than that, he had a couple catches, maybe. So I don't know. He should have a game. I don't know if he will. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say about this one, man. Like I have a question with Ryan because you kind of were high on Schilt, so we can go back to that. Do you give Hamilton a better shot if Schultz is playing over Evans? Or the same? I don't know if it's a better shot, but it's uh, I'm not overly concerned in doom and gloom with him out of the lineup. I think he is a very capable backup borderline starter potential that never really got the shot over in Montreal. But yeah, Evans has had a down season at times here. You know, he's he got to cut out the turnovers and stuff. Uh, so maybe that's something Schultz is able to do a little bit better, but I don't think he's night and day. I don't think he should be the starter right now when both are healthy. I'm looking oh, at right yeah. Now. Oh, yeah, do you, Adam? Yep. Okay. I was just looking at it here again. The Hamilton is the worst team in Jacob of uh, Hamilton going after and uh, going and putting Matthew Schultz in. I think all the power to him at this point because Matthew Schultz is just, uh, again, a new face in there. Maybe he can get something else done that um, they're not looking at over in Hamilton. We'll have to see how this one develops. Uh, guys, I'm going to go to final thoughts here because I think I'm freezing up a little bit. Uh, Trey, we'll start with you. Uh, I'll waste my time on final thoughts. We had a comment from the last about the last game that came in from Tim. Do we know if the Bombers uh, alternate yeah, jersey uh, uniform record. I have no idea. When was the last time we had an alternate jersey? Was it with that gold one we would wear sometimes? I don't know. Was it the cam, the blue camo one? That's oh, the first that one too. that jumps my. That I guess the record is not great because yeah. it's been a while since the Bombers have had a third jersey, and that brings us back to the nightmare era, right? So, right. that would be my answer for that one. I'll give them, they, they wore the whites at home, and they're 1-0. So I'll say that's their alternate jersey at home right now uh, when we had our bomber whiteout. But, yeah, Hamilton, Toronto, run the ball, boys. You know, if you got um, 
if Dane Evans plays, but he still has a, a sore shoulder. You got to run the ball. Uh, Bethel Thompson needs some space and time, and you got Andrew Harris, who when you give him time and give him the ball, he can still perform. It seems like wrist injury. Yeah, he's just tired from paying his, uh, counting his money from his paycheck in Toronto. I think that's all that is, right? Yeah, I was interested about that uh, wrist injury as well because it looked like it could have been something like a broken hand the other day. Now, I'm certainly no doctor, but uh, the way he was holding it afterwards, that thought, uh, you know, maybe is Andrew Harris out this week? He's questionable, not doubtful, questionable. Um, A lot of guys play still when they are questionable, but if not, we could see, you know, his backup. 15th overall draft pick this year, I think. Daniel Adebayo, uh get in for the start this week, or maybe we see AJ Olette. And I'm always excited to see the backups get in for a shot to show what they can do. Uh, it's exciting for me in that case. As much as I love the the stars of the league, I, I like the up-and-coming backups, too, who have a lot of potential. So, uh, yeah, I'll be looking at that uh, once the depth charts come out. You know what? I'm looking forward to this game again. This was a this is a huge rivalry in Ontario back in the day. Uh, the Thai Cats, the Argos, they're supposed to hate each other. The fans sure don't like each other. We can see that on Twitter. But uh, I want to see these teams just that they don't like each other as well. I want to see the push and I want to see the shove and I want to see all of that because you know what? It makes it exciting for the next game when it is Labor Day. And uh, let's face it, we all talk about the Western teams in the Labor Day. I really want to see this Eastern team get ignited once again. Hamilton fans, people are saying Toronto fans are the loudest in the league. Go and prove them wrong there in uh, uh, Tim Hortons Field. I'm just trying to stoke the flames a little bit here. Uh, Moving on here, I guess, to the next game, which is probably... I've uh, been annoyed as the game of the week. Uh, Nathan Rourke and the BC Lions are going to head out, and uh, the student is going to go and try to take on the master, I suppose. You can decide which is which. Bo Levi Mitchell and the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, Ryan, here's your 45 seconds to a minute to explain why Nathan Rourke should still make the Hall of Fame after this game. Well, I mean, if he does what he did last week over again, then I think you have to, right? Like, if he can keep putting performances up like that, it's a no-brainer in my opinion. But uh, no, uh, this, on a more serious note, this might be one of the bigger tests for Nathan Rourke this season. We keep talking about he's got a, you know, one test. I don't think he needs a test. I think he's legit and I think he's proven it. And I think it's dumb to question whether he is at this point. Like, you can't deny the success he's had so far this season. But Calgary, you know, is a better squad than some of the other squads they've, uh, you know, run all over here. So uh, we saw against Winnipeg's defense him have arguably maybe his worst game of the season. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't his best game. Uh, and, you know, Calgary's right there, up there in the standings as well. So I think this, if you're going to talk about tests for Rourke and the Lions, this is the next big one up here. And uh, I'm really, really excited for this game, Trey. Yeah, we want to talk about wrist injuries. Nathan Rourke's going to have one after he gets paid, you know, 800000 plus next year or his NFL contract. But I, I'm looking at the other side. I think we know what we're going to see with Nathan Rourke. I want to see what we're going to get with Bo, you know. is he, you know, He's a guy who plays with swagger and has always has a chip on his shoulder. Is, you know, you never know what you're going to get with him. Is he going to have an extra, extra motivation to say, no, 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 I'm better than this young whippersnapper, you know. And I'm the I'm the face of the league. I'm still here. You know, it kind of gives gives me Brady versus Mahomes kind of feeling. You know what I mean? And a little bit where you got the young guy. You know, Mahomes I guess isn't that young, but maybe a couple of years ago when Mahomes and Brady faced off, you got you know Brady 
the, the you know the undisputed Beth Goat, and then you got the up and comer Mahomes who can do things. And I, I'm excited for this one, and I'm almost more excited than this one than maybe BC Winnipeg. You know, it's it's um, should be a good one. And again, interesting looking at it. BC wins in a lot of totals, but Calgary has a few more rushing yards per game, and. I think that's going to be a big key, and I think it's going to come down to defense. Yeah, we know that uh, they're missing uh, Calgary's missing Trey Robertson, Robertson for the rest of the year, and but you know Calgary has more forced fumbles per game. They have more passes defended per game. They're not winning in the sacks, but I think you're going to have to get to Nathan Work a one time or rush his throws if you can't uh, can't put him on his butt, right? So I, I think this game is going to be closer than people think. I I, I don't. I say that, and then we'll see what I pick later when it comes to betting. But I think this one's going to be a little closer than what people think. Um, yeah, I, I know, Adam, uh, maybe you guys can answer this question that just came in. Is Kadeem Carey playing this game? Do we? Uh, is he out? Well, if I take a look at the injury report right now, I would not bet on Kadeem Carey maybe playing this game. Hamstring injury did not practice on Tuesday. Wednesday, he was limited in practice. I would think that Calgary would want to try to play him if they can because he's a big part of that offense for the Calgary Stampeders. And you've seen last week, I mean, yes, Dietrich Mills did do very well in a uh, quick substitution for Kadeem Carey. I don't know if he can do it twice in a row like this, like Kadeem Carey can manage to keep that football moving for Bo Levi Mitchell as much. Another piece also in the injury report this week, uh, Malik Henry, quad injury right now, did not practice and limited on Wednesday. Uh, we also take a look at Jameer Thurman, uh, linebacker again. They're getting very thin in linebacker over on the Calgary side with, again, like you said before, Trey uh, Trey Roberson uh, out for the season with uh, knee surgery. And also now you don't have uh, Jameer Thurman in there as well. Over on the BC side of the football, Keon Hatcher has got a shoulder injury. However, he did practice all week. Uh, James Butler also has an ankle and rib injury. I think that's more of He's banged up a little bit. You'll probably be fine to go, I would think. But he did not practice on Tuesday, so that's the thing to keep in mind. Uh, another notable name also is Shea Ross, um, wide receiver, hip injury. Uh, did have full practices, though. Should be good to go for uh, game time on uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, we go over to the Calgary side of the football. Uh, guys, what are we seeing right now out of this Calgary team? that we need to see something a little bit more of. We didn't see much last week from Bo Levi Mitchell against a team that he really should have lit up, uh, being the Ottawa Red Blacks. I know that Ryan's theory was that Ottawa has something, some sort of voodoo magic over top of the uh, Calgary Stampeders. But, Ryan, what does this offense need to do to get going again? Uh, it needs to start getting on the same page because right now it's absolutely not. And I think they acknowledged it on the TSN broadcast this past weekend that – Kamar Jordan, Reggie Bagleton, they should be top five receivers in the CFL on the season, and it, it's not happening right now. A week after week, we see Bo and them just not connecting properly like they should. You know, we've talked uh, over the last week, preseason, we were all skeptical on Bo Levi Mitchell, and the first couple weeks went along. We gave him credit for coming out there. He had a few good games. Sure, I'll give him that. You know, he... He's been delivering wins. They're a talented football team. They've only lost to the team that's undefeated. But then you look at the stats. Do you guys know Bo Levi Mitchell has the second lowest completion percentage among starting quarterbacks in the CFL? Only Taylor Cornelius is lower. He's averaging 60%, 62.4% of passes completed. 
And through seven games on the season, seven touchdowns and four interceptions. Like, we're talking about one of the best quarterbacks of the past decade, arguably the best quarterback of the past decade. And he's got, he's averaging one touchdown per game. Like, that's just not cutting it from the offense here, from the passing game. And, and yet, you know, even Malik Henry stepped up early in the season. Big games there from him, but he's been quiet the past couple of weeks as well. It seems, you know, they, they had momentum early in the season. Now it's almost the defense and the special teams are stepping up more. So my big thing here is is Bowen as receivers got to get on the same page. Dre? You know, uh, I hear what you're saying, but then I, I go and say, why do we forgive Winnipeg? That we seem to forgive Winnipeg a lot more, and and they're nine and zero, and Deke Calgary is still five and two. I I would, I, you know, I'm sure I'm sure Adam would have been happy. Saskatchewan was five and two. I would have been content with a five and two start. And and you know what I'm looking at? Yeah, he's not putting up the yards. He only has four interceptions. That's half of what Zach Caleros has. And you know Nathan Rourke has more intercept, two more interceptions than six. Yeah, he's got 21 back, uh, t- uh, touchdowns, but Bo's being Bo. And like I said, this gives me Mahomes kind of Brady vibes. We've seen years where Brady just can nickel and dime it and somehow win a Super Bowl. And then you have Patrick Mahomes going out there doing Superman dive jumps and coming up short. You know, it- it's a quarterback, the veteran position at times. And Nathan Work, I think, is a guy, you know, in, in if he's still in the league in five, 10 years, we'll be talking like he'll be the Bo then. But is Bo like is who's the Bo now? It's still Bo, so I I, I want to see Bo. Ah, oh, see, it's a tough one. It's another tough one. I think Bo is gonna Bo Levi this game, and I think he's gonna. In, that's how Calgary needs to do it. They need to do what they've been known to do over the last decade, and just suffocate the other team and and chew up yards and chew up time of possession and. You know what I mean? I don't know. This one could be a 40-40 or it could be 14-13. I could see it either way, you know, tough tough defenses. I don't know. You know, it's a tough – I really hate this one too, guys. I don't want to get – can we just leave the betting one this week and just go – I really really can't. uh, This is one of the games – this one and the last game were two of the ones I have real difficulty with. And – Oh, man, I'm going to be throwing beer cans at my TV on Saturday for sure, aren't I? <laughs> well, I, I want to I jump back in because I like what you mentioned about, you know, Winnipeg uh, very frequently doesn't have an explosive passing game. This year, maybe a little bit more than previous seasons, but they get the wins. And, yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of that from Calgary as well. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think they're in the position now where – they don't need Bo Levi Mitchell to throw 350-yard games to win because they are a good football team across the board uh, in a lot of ways. But you take how good they've been with the way Bo has been playing the past couple of weeks, and if they can get on the same page, I would say more games than not this season, they've won in spite of Bo Levi Mitchell, not because of Bo Levi Mitchell. So if they can you know, explode offensively here yet, uh, on top of that, like that's just going to take Calgary to the next level and compete with Winnipeg for the top of the standings the rest of the season. Yeah, but to add to that, but could we not again? We could say the same thing about Caleros. You know, I don't think the Bombers have won all, all like maybe a couple of games, but not every game we haven't won because of Caleros. You know what True. I mean? True. You know, so and that's what I mean. Caleros found a way to somehow beat Nathan Rourke. You know, so I don't know. It's a tough one, Adam. What do you think? 
you know, I'm looking at this here, and I actually got one more question for both of you instead of answering that one for you. Uh, you know, I've heard it on a few times now from a few different uh, little radio stations around here and from a few uh, national uh, pro products. Is the quarterback in the CFL just kind of not what it should be right now? Uh, now, save Nathan Rourke. I mean, obviously, that's an exception. Uh, but you take a look at the CFL quarterbacking situation all over the place. Well, Levi Mitchell hasn't played up to his usual standards, as you've just described. Uh, Zach Kalaros, he's, again, good game manager. Don't know if he's that guy that'll take you out and win a game just because of Zach Kalaros. He can do it once in a while, but he doesn't do it every game, right? Uh, Cody Fajardo, same thing with the Riders. If he has the help, he's fine. Otherwise, he's not that dynamic uh, quarterback that you expect. Like, he's no Mahomes. He's no Brady. Uh, one of those guys that could just win the game on the back on his back alone. You look in the East, every week we seem to talk about, is this quarterback going to be the quarterback or is it going to be somebody else? Uh, pretty much with any team in the East, I don't have to pick which one because they're all been talked about. Even Bo uh McLeod Bethel-Thompson, we've talked about Chad Kelly on this program quite a bit. So has the quarterbacking in the CFL gone quite a bit down from what it used to be uh, back in the day when you had the Dickinsons, the uh, 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 the Joneses, the Durants, uh, Calvillos, the Ricky Rays, all those kind of things? Has it really gone down that far, or are we just kind of in a transition period? Uh and then we got to move on to the next game because Ryan will kill me if I keep talking storylines. Uh, Trey? Yeah, we'll, we'll blame the stupid hash marks. You know, they moved him in and now quarterbacks are throwing more picks. I don't know. Because, yeah, looking at it, there's so many picks. Nathan Rourke, you know, Ryan's golden boy, has six interceptions on the year, which sounds like a lot. Dane Evans has 10. Caleros has eight. Bethel Thompson is six. Uh, Fajardo has six. And like I said, out of most starters, Bo Levi has the least with four. You know, seems like a lot of interceptions this year. And I don't know what to chalk it up to other than, like, the, like what's the one thing that's changed from last year? The hash marks. So I don't know. Like, is that – I don't know what else to say other than that. So I, I don't know. Is it – do we want to say quarterback play has gone down or do we want to maybe say the athleticism of the average defenders went up? I might, I might go up with that because it's not – you know, we have this idea that cornerbacks and defenders sometimes maybe get their positions because uh, – because they can't catch or or whatever, and actually, it's usually receivers get their positions because they can't tackle, you know. And the and then the cornerbacks are the better tacklers, but they can still catch pretty good. And we see a lot of defenses, Winnipeg, Calgary, and BC included, that they like to take the ball. So I'm going to go with the defense is better more than quarterbacks are worse, right? Yeah, and this is a trend that, that we saw last season as well, coming out of the pandemic last season. Last season, the offenses were even worse. I mean, I don't have the definitive stats on me, but I think the offenses across the board are better this season than last year. But last year was a rough year for the offense. Uh, the, the folks that love, you know, high-scoring games, they just didn't come. And like you said, Trey, I don't know if it's that necessarily that the quarterbacks are getting worse uh, as Adam switches hats here. A nice, nice transition there, Adam. I like that. Uh, very smooth. Um, he's got his rider's hat on now. He had his CFL hat on. Now he has his rider's hat for those uh, listening to the audio feed because uh, I think we're moving to that game here very shortly. But uh, I think there's still some very talented quarterbacks in the CFL, but I think maybe the general level of play across the board 
uh, in the CFL is improved to the point where maybe you don't have as many definitive standout stars, whether it's at quarterback, at running back, where we see a lot of dual back systems and switching your starters and stuff at receiver, like Trey said, the elevated play in the defense. So uh, maybe scoring's down a bit from pre-pandemic times, but I don't think overall uh, necessarily. Can I just add one more thing? I think throwing a football is also like shooting a basketball. You need repetition, right? And some of these guys had a year and a half off. So if you tell an NBA player that they can't shoot a basketball for a year and a half uh, and then the NBA comes back, I'm going to say most of those three-pointers Steph Curry makes, he's going to have issues with, right? You know, it's kind of like that. It's the mechanics. It's I don't want to say yips, but kind of that same mentality, right? So, but on to the finale. I'm ready for this game, too. This is another interesting one, right? Or Adam? Yep. Uh, we're going to be moving on to going out to the brick field out in Edmonton, uh, where it's a late night Saturday night game with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders off the bye week heading out to Edmonton to take on the Elks. This is a big, big game, as much as it looks like this shouldn't be. It is a very big game for both the Rough Riders and the Elks. Rough Riders, of course, are coming off two losses here to the uh, to the uh, Toronto Argonauts and to the BC Lions. Actually, three losses in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so they uh, need to get some momentum going here. Also, the Edmonton Elks coming off an embarrassing loss again to the BC Lions. Guys, uh, is this pretty well the playoffs for the Edmonton Elks and maybe even the Rough Riders? Uh, Trey? Oh yeah, if the if the Elks don't win, then they go to two and seven, which they're still better than most of the teams in the East. But um, but yeah, I think it gets interesting if Edmonton can pull off a win, then they're only one game away from the Rough Riders. But there's one stat that just jumped out at me: Edmonton has put up 145 points. They're the only team in the West not to hit 200 yet. And there's a couple teams that have played one game less than them in BC and Calgary. They, you know, that's a big point difference, 50-some points between some teams that played less games than you. So they need to start putting up the points. And Chris Jones's defense, 290. The next highest team is, what, 228, and that's Montreal. That's the – I always say yucky stats. Those are two yucky stats. There's no way. But at the same time, if Saskatchewan loses this one somehow, man, I would not wear that hat in public, Adam. This is one. This, I think this is a more must-win for Saskatchewan than it is Edmonton. Edmonton, they're playing. They got nothing to lose, right? You know, they are fifth in the West, and Saskatchewan's got the last wild card spot locked down right now with a two-game lead on Montreal, right? So this is a must-win, I think, more for Ryderville than Edmonton, Ryan. Yeah, in terms of uh, playoff hopes, probably Edmonton. In terms of, you know, fandom, probably Saskatchewan. Uh, in terms of who it's most important for, um, I mean, Edmonton so far this season. Uh, you know, some of these teams, like I feel like Saskatchewan has had a lot of East games so far, and a lot of the West teams have had games against the East. The Elks have only played two games against the East Division. They're 2-0 and against the East and 0-6 against the West. So they've lost already some of those divisional matchups. They're behind in a lot of their, uh, you know, potential tiebreakers here. So each loss they have against this division is only going to pile up for them. And, yeah, it's going to start becoming curtains on their season here, uh, as uh, you know, if they lose many more like this. So I would say this is a huge game for the Elks to, uh, you know, 
show that last week was just a, a, a bad game against BC yet again, which seems to be their kryptonite. You know, show us what you did against Winnipeg a couple weeks ago where he held Zach Caleros to seven completions. I, I think the Elks have it. I like to think they have it in them. They just got to come out and finally show that they do. Well, I think what's going to help the Elks is maybe having, like uh, Mike said earlier uh, this week, have that consistency with your team. I mean, let's face it, every week it's a different. Pretty much, I think Kate Burness did it best on TSN and went and rolled the, uh, juggled around the uh, whatever it was and said, this is pretty much what the Edmonton Elks defense is. Uh, you can't build consistency by Kate continually moving players. Uh, Chris Jones, I mean, I love the guy. He wants to try to build the best team he can. You got to see what you got too once in a while and actually look at your cards. You can't just keep folding or moving them around every time. Uh, that being said, uh, let's run to the injury side of things. The Rough Riders, I don't know if you guys uh, believe in miracles or not. Dan Clark has been limited twice in practice this week. No, he's not playing. But I mean, you know what? It'd be awesome if he'd be getting closer. Uh, I think it's just great to see old Dan Clark, the center for the Rough Riders out on the field after suffering such an ugly injury against the Edmonton Elks earlier this season. Uh, Jake Hardy has a shoulder injury, be limited in practice. Frankie Hickson, uh, still a little bit of illness, probably even practicing, but maybe not feeling 100%, I suppose. Uh, Mitch Picton also back, uh, limited in practice, though, ankle injury. Uh, another big piece, though, for the Rough Riders is Pete Robertson, looking more and more likely to play on Saturday night, which would be a huge piece for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to get. Another guy that I don't see on the injury list uh, is A.C. Leonard. I think they may have moved him over to the sixth game. I'll confirm that when I get a chance. Over on the Elk side of the football, some injuries as well. Uh, Dion Lacey has been at practice full, but he has been a healthy scratch, which is kind of strange, but okay. Uh, Jordan Reeves also limited uh, with a knee injury. Uh, and also David Beard, the offensive lineman, uh, limited with a shoulder injury in the first practice this week as well. Uh, I think the big thing that they were going to be looking for here from the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders is how much can they get to the quarterback, uh, Taylor Cornelius. Last year when they played the Riders, Cornelius couldn't get nothing going. He was throwing interceptions because he was so worried that he was going to get hit by one of the uh, Saskatchewan defensive linemen. Had a terrible game against them. This year, of course, he didn't play the first one. I think it was uh, mostly, I uh, believe that time it was Nick Arbuckle still. Uh, what does the Riders need to do to be getting into that backfield and getting all over Taylor Cornelius, Ryan? Uh, so I did just double check while you were speaking there. So yes, AC Leonard is now on the six game injured list. Uh, one piece I wonder if they're getting back soon. I was just trying to look this up is uh, I believe they're very close to getting Garrett Marino back here in the lineup from his four. Was it, was it a four game suspension? One more week until, until Marino is good to go again here. It looks like, um, so they'll get be getting uh, a nice piece back, assuming he can, you know, say they disciplined uh, on the D and play and focus on playing uh, legal football uh, on the defensive line there. Um, but, uh, yeah, Saskatchewan getting some pieces back from injury. Uh, you know, I think Taylor Cornelius, uh, there's a lot of skeptics still out there on his abilities to be a starting quarterback. And if you can get to him and get him off his game early on, I think that's something BC did really well last week against the Elks was 
Edmonton had very few opportunities to run offensive plays. Like they ran six, they had, they ran the ball six times on the night. It feel like it feels like they had what three drives in the first half only, or something like that. Uh, so if you can, uh, you know, force a couple two and outs, don't let them get into a rhythm. Uh, you should be able to coast most of the night. You would think if you're the Riders in that scenario. Um, you mentioned, you know, the Riders starting to get a number of guys back from injury, maybe not necessarily this week, but in the near future. I think that's going to do wondrous things for them. I think that's why what I said a couple weeks ago when I had them at number four on my power rankings despite three straight losses is that the bye week's going to help getting the guys back from injury. And don't count the Riders out yet for that top three race in the West Division. I, I think they're just as much in it as anybody else uh, at this point, uh, Trey. Well, we talk about that race, and this is why I think it's such a big win or big game for Saskatchewan. After this, they got a back the back to back against BC. Yeesh, if you know, only one team's beaten BC so far this year. And then during that time, Edmonton plays a back to back against Ottawa. Do we not say Edmonton's undefeated against the East right now? So yeah, that race in the East, like I think the yeah, this uh, the fourth spot in the West or the crossover wildcard position is going to be the most sought after position right now because of Saskatchewan loses and Edmonton goes to three wins and then you got Montreal and Ottawa still a couple wins back. It's going to be a big finish near the end. But go back to what we were saying about uh, what does Saskatchewan need to do? You need to watch Cornelius. For a big guy, he can get out of the pocket. And what is he, like 6'4"? So if you tackle him and he falls uh, face first, he's picking up two more yards on you, right? Uh, so you got to keep him behind the line of scrimmage because, like I said, if he can get across that line of scrimmage and he falls forward, that's two, three yards right there, the tree falling in the middle of a forest, right? So that I think that's a big key. I think he's not going to throw his way to win this game, but he's going to do little things like seconds and shorts or second and mediums and find the first downs, keep Fajardo off the field, keep Saskatchewan's offense off the field. And the offense off the field, it's really hard to score points. Not a low. I'd rather have the defense on the field in Saskatchewan anyways, I think for the most part, but nevertheless, I'm just taking a look. You were saying Trey, how this schedule for the riders is pretty, uh, pretty tough. Don't forget right after those two BC games, I think we got a Labor Day Classic and a Banjo Bowl to worry about. So you've got four games right away for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You've got to probably split those at least, at the minimum. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be out of this race and out of this race in a hurry for third spot. I would think probably Calgary's the odd team out right now if uh, everything went well, uh, just by the way it all looks. But again, Saskatchewan really needs to get on a roll and get on a roll quickly. Uh, that being said, Edmonton, we know the story there. They are a team that's starting to rebuild, I think, kind of on the fly, and it's been this way all year long. Uh, you look at a guy like Kenny Lawler and like Emmanuel Arsenal and a few of those veteran receivers. Quick question for you guys, because I think I better get over this because Ryan's going to murder me after this uh, podcast is over for making this too long. I will do no such thing. That, because he's also six hours away. Anyways, <laughs> uh, just a quick question and then final and final thoughts as well. Is it time for Edmonton to maybe start shipping off some of these uh, veteran receivers for picks or for players? Uh, right? I don't know. I, see, I was just about to pose the question to you guys. Uh, they spent $300,000 on Kenny Lawler this offseason. And to his credit, he's had a good year. He's been their go-to receiver and he's had a solid season. 
Uh, he is currently, I'm just looking, he's ninth in the league in receiving yards at 517 right now. I wouldn't say that's worth the $300,000 necessarily when there's a lot more holes on the roster it could have gone towards to spend, to fill, right? Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting question uh, of when do they start shipping guys out. You don't really see trades very much in the CFL, especially mid-season, right? So I don't know what to expect a whole ton in that sense. Because to be honest, you, you can see a team rebuild everything in the offseason through free agency, right? So uh, I don't think we're seeing too many tra- trades from this team. I think we're going to see the circus continue from Chris Jones of throw. It seems like he's throwing his roster at the wall every week and trying to see what sticks and uh, nothing's sticking right now. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if that comes. I would love to... I was about to say I'd love to be in the mind of Chris Jones, but that sounds like a very scary place sometimes, and I don't know if I actually want to be there. Uh, but I would just like to know what his plan for the rest of the season and going into next season is here, because it seems like they're trying a bunch of things without a clear plan of, of turning this team around right now. Trey? Yeah, maybe some of the other receivers I could see being moved out, but the question is what team has 300000 in salary cap space? I don't think, you know, it, unfortunately that's not really public knowledge uh, in the CFL <clears throat> as much as in other leagues because I'd be on, uh, what is it, like salary cap friendly or cap friendly or whatever and be figuring out, well, maybe a team like Toronto or Ottawa or Hamilton might have 300000 and could give up a first or a couple draft picks that – tickle Chris Jones fancy but I can't see BC Winnipeg or Saskatchewan or Calgary having the space and those are the teams that I think would really 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 want a guy like uh, Lawler um but yeah like some of the other guys maybe I could see but like Ryan said this is the CFL we don't see those uh trade deadline things like we see in other sports you know we already had a pretty pathetic baseball one if for Blue Jay fans so I don't really want to get too hyped up on CFL trades but yeah, like the Chris Jones in his head thing, it's um, it, yeah, it's either either something great, like you know, the greatest orchestra sympathy ever, or something like that. And it's gonna, and we just have to take a step back and wait, or it's gonna be the monkey going like this on the symbol, like you see Homer Simpson in the dude. I, I, it's one or the other, and I don't know. And I think we're going to find out maybe in a year or two, because I don't think this is the team yet. Maybe they can somehow find a way to squeeze Saskatchewan out of the fourth. I don't see them any higher than that. And I don't see them, well, they play in the East in the playoffs, I guess. But I don't see them beating Winnipeg, BC, or Calgary come November time. I have a tough time seeing them even beat Hamilton and Toronto come uh, November time. So I think this is the next year or next two years team. But we'll move on. Yeah, no, I'm looking at this team too. And, um, you know, I'm just looking at one thing, though, and the reason I brought up trade was you've got a quarterback in Montreal right now that needs a new home, essentially. You're not probably going to play for an announced junior. I mean, let's face it, it's not going to happen. Uh, you've got also a receiving core that has one piece in it right now because it's kind of all the Eugene Lewis show in Montreal. Could you imagine a guy like Kenny Lawler over there or maybe a guy like Manny Arsenal to kind of lead some of these younger guys into there? And again, you get a good quarterback, which I think Edmonton, if they got a quarterback, they might not be a terrible bad team this year. I think their biggest problem is, A, Chris Jones 
chopping wood in the top of his head all day. And I'm sure that's what's in their tray is him with a guy with a lumberjack thing, just sitting there and hammered on wood. But I think also that uh, I think that they really needed a quarterback and uh, now it might be a little too late, but if you have a guy like Vernon Adams, you can start building maybe four towards and around him. Maybe a trade makes sense, but Hey, how do I know what the uh, upper ups are thinking? Yes. Gary likes my tweets. He doesn't tell me his game plan. So uh, let's move on, I guess, over to fantasy and the fantasy king, Ryan Coop. Yeah, uh, you know, quickly to qualify, you know, what I was saying about Chris Jones and, and and throwing everything at the wall. A lot of that's been due to injury, and the Elks are finally getting healthy, so maybe that brings some consistency down the stretch was the only other thing I wanted to note on there. But uh, let's move on to talk some CFL fantasy here. Uh, we've gotten through our three weeks of CFC Civil Wars, so we have no head-to-head matchups for the rest of the regular season here, which means we can openly discuss our fantasy picks with one another. Of course, we play in the uh, CFL Podcast Fantasy League this week's matchups. I've got Mike from Podski Wee Wee. Uh, Trey, you've got Joe from Rouge, White, and Blue. And uh, Adam, you've got Superfan Mike from the Turf District. So, uh, you guys got some tough matchups this week. Uh, these are the, uh, the the second and third place teams you're facing. And I, I, I mean, I root for you guys every week. You're not facing me, but I extra root for you now because I would like a bit of extra padding at the top of the standing. So if you could please take them down for me. Maybe we got to do a group huddle on Thursday to, uh, to fill out these lineups here. A bit of collusion going on there. Uh, no, no, no. Of course, I'm kidding. Uh, let's take a look at our fantasy players for this week. Of course, you can follow that fantasy league at CFL Pod Fantasy on Twitter. Uh, let's start with the quarterback options for this week. The most expensive one on the chart is Nathan Rourke, who, by the way, CFL fantasy pricing is just stupid. Like, it's downright dumb and makes no sense. Nathan Rourke put up 47.6 points last week and it's somehow cheaper by a couple hundred dollars than he was the week before. I really don't understand it, but that's the case. Uh, he comes in at just under $1,400. Uh, and then the next highest after that is Cody Fajardo at $95.98. Scrolling all the way down to your cheapest projected starter being Taylor, Taylor Cornelius at $73.29. Maybe Matt Schultz if he's the starter in Hamilton being $59.49. But Interesting week, guys. You know, Nathan Rourke, the past couple of weeks, I've gone and said the price tag is too high. You need almost 35 points for it to be worth uh, your pick when it comes to fantasy. At this point, I'm just not even going to tell you to to avoid Nathan Rourke. Just put him in your lineup. Like, just put Rourke in there. Get your 40-point day and uh, enjoy your week. Uh, No, of course... I wouldn't build the entire roster around him because if he does falter, you could be in trouble. But if you can find good value plays, I don't think it's a bad idea to hit, hit to play Rourke, even if he's uh, you know he's got a lofty goal to hit here. But the the other interesting quarterback options I'm looking at this week, I like McLeod Bethel Thompson. He seems a bit streaky, I know. But he put up 15, he's averaged 15.7 on the year. You need 22.4 out of him. Uh, and he does have the ability to break a game wide open. 
But honestly, if the depth chart comes out and Dane Evans isn't on it and ready to go, I'm very strongly considering Matt Schultz at under $6,000 uh, in this game. Uh, I know there's not a sample size from this season, but anytime you can get a real cheap quarterback, you need 15 points. That's not a ton. Even if he falls a bit short, uh, you know, there's potential there. So I don't know, tough week at quarterback. I'm either going big on Nathan Rourke or I'm going for a cheaper play here. Maybe McLeod Bethel Thompson in the middle. Uh, let's start with you, Trey. What are you looking at at QB this week? Uh, well, I did the thing you said not to do, and I built it around Nathan Rourke this week. My whole roster, I've got pretty uh, mid-average and lower players in every position right now because I guess my only thing would be why his price went down is are they hyping up Calgary's defense it's maybe be, yeah. more or something than that. But I still think you got to risk it for the biscuit, as one of my best friends would say, and you got to try to – try everything you have and i'm devastated after my 2.5 point loss to you last week so i got to do everything to get back in the standing so it's um hall of famer nathan rourke for sure if you're looking down on the line i'd stay away well maybe fajardo because you don't know what you're going to get with edmonton's defense but zach is a guy i stay away from bethel thompson dane evans because of the injury trevor harris i think the winnipeg defense is just going to devour him Maybe Bo, I don't know, or Dom, or maybe the Matt, Matt Matt Schultz is the one that I would definitely take if you need to try to save some uh, need to save some money, Adam. I really have a hard time this week with any of the quarterbacks at their price. I mean, I really should be taking Nathan Rourke because you know you always take Nathan Rourke. Uh, let's face it; he's been the absolute all star quarterback all season. Any team he's played, he's dominated, well, except for the Bombers. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know who I want to take as a quarterback this week. I was looking at Cody Fajardo just because they're playing the Edmonton Elks. However, Edmonton does have those odd games where they step up and stomp on opponents. Uh, it's going to be tough to say who I take this week. I could go old reliable Bo Levi Mitchell, but three and a half points last week? Come on, man. <laughs> I get uh, nervous when he's – go ahead, Ryan. I don't think he's all reliable when it comes to fantasy. I'm just saying, like, Bo Levi Mitchell, good quarterback in terms of the intangibles. Not great when it comes to fantasy, right? So he's averaging uh, 12.7 on the year. Only Trevor Harris is really the only other starter that's higher than. So, I mean, the only option really for me, I guess, is as it was suggested earlier today, uh, I might be looking at Drew Brown or at uh... – uh, who's your uh, other quarterback for Winnipeg that I could maybe think about? Just uh, Dakota, Dakota Prukop. To Dakota Prukop. I mean, maybe I go that way and just take some cheap, cheap picks, I guess, and save my money for the down further. I don't know what to do in quarterback. Right now, I'll tell you right now, I've got Zach Kalaros, uh, just because I think that uh, he might really take it to Montreal this week. But that's the only reason I'm looking at Kalaros. Really, I don't know. Yeah, tough week at quarterback this week. Let's see if running backs give us any more clarity. I think the, there's one that's primed for a really big week this week. Actually, I think there's a couple of them, but uh, the most expensive one on the chart is uh, Jamal Morrow at 88.67. And if you can fit him in your lineup, he seems like a guy you kind of got to fit in your lineup. He's averaged 17.4 points a game this season. He faces the Elks defense that's last in the league against the run. 
Uh, my only concern with Saskatchewan is always Jason Maz's offensive game plan and whether that's going to lead to Jamal Morrow actually getting the ball as much as he should. But uh, it's a great matchup and for, for one of the top running backs in the league. Um, other options I like this week, uh, I like Brady Oliveira at uh, 58-79. He's been coming on strong the past couple of weeks here uh, and seems like he's producing pretty well. I think last week just under 100, the week before he had 100. Last week he had a touchdown, I think it was, possibly, or the week before one of the two. Um, and if the Bombers can get up big against Montreal or keep running the ball like they have been the last few weeks, he should produce a good total there. I've got Don Jackson. I think I might have a typo here on the price. I believe Don Jackson's around 6800 last I checked. Uh, looks like I copied Oliveira's price in there accidentally, so my apologies. I like Don Jackson as a running back option. And that's crazy to think that I'm saying this about a Hamilton running back, but... Yes, he only got 10 carries last week, but he got in there for a number of catches. He was, what, second or third leading receiver for Hamilton? And that's what you want. A running back that can catch the ball is going to bring you fantasy points. Jackson's only going to get more involved in that offense, especially if the backup quarterback Matt Schultz is in, especially with Braylon Addison out, all those other receivers out. I like Don Jackson as a potential play. And as you go down the charts... The rest kind of depends on what who's in the lineup, right? If Kadeem carries out, Diedrich Mills hit 100 yards last week and is only $4,000. That's a potential solid value play there. If Andrew Harris is out, maybe I'm thinking one of those Toronto backup running backs. And uh, I'm kind of tempted to go with $2,500 Tavian Feaster for our guy Brandon uh, from the college fantasy football, right? Like uh, $2,500. I know he faces the Bombers, but... You can get a starter who should hopefully get a number of carries. Yeah, he could deliver you some value there at running back. So lots of options to consider. This is a week I'm high on the running backs, maybe more so than usual. Let's go to you first here, Adam. Uh, what are you looking at at running back? Well, first thing first, I'm looking at Jamal Morrow. I mean, let's face it, he's playing Edmonton. Last time he did 126 yards, a touchdown, and 17.4 fantasy points. And then, by the way, I didn't even mention the receiving side of things. Ah, that was because he got zero. But that's not a, that's a different story. Uh, no, Jamal Morrow, definitely I'm going to be picking up this week for uh, for uh, fantasy. The other one that I'm looking at is depending on what happens with Kadeem Carey. I, uh, D, uh, uh, Diedrich Mills had a good week last week. A very admirable setup for, uh, for what he is. I think that he has some potential in the league. I mean, he's a reason why he uh, beat out Peyton Logan or Logan Payton, yeah, Peyton Logan, I get the names mixed up all the time. I'm sorry about that again for this week. Uh, so he he did beat him out in uh, training camp, and there was a reason why. He looked very good against the Ottawa Red Blacks, was really the only piece that looked good against the Ottawa Red Blacks. So if he's in and playing and uh, starting, I'll probably pick up Diedrich Mills. If he isn't, I'm going to look at some adjustments then and try to figure out where I'm going to go this way. I might go a little bit cheaper. I might even look at one of the Winnipeg uh, running backs, which I'm pretty much forbidden for doing, seeing as I've got Trey forbidden in the Saskatchewan defense. Trey, who do you got? Oh, I forgot about the Saskatchewan defense thing. I'm going to have to readjust a little bit. We'll talk about that later defense. But my first, I forgot. But anyway, first running back, I agree with Dietrich Mills. Again, it all comes down to um, 
what the depth chart says, but I, you know, even still, they might do a two running back system and that could be okay. For my other running back, man, I'm going to go with what our boy Brandon said. Uh, back-to-back shout-outs I'm giving him this week. Feaster, man. You know, we can't have a guy come and talk about college fantasy and then completely ignore him all year long, right? We, we had him on here for a reason. Um, and even if he kind of busts, okay, I'm sure that Nathan Rourke and Feaster's combined points are still going to be higher than any other quarterback with running backs combined points this, for fantasy. So, May as well take the risk. Yeah, you never know what you're getting with the Winnipeg defense, but they are a bend, don't break. He could get, you know, 90 yards and just never get a touchdown and still put up some solid points. So that's my two guys right now, uh, Dietrich Mills and Tavian Feaster. But let me just change my defense before we talk to me. So we'll come back to that. Yeah, and the thing about uh, Feaster is, like, uh, $2,500, you need 6.3 points to hit a decent value out of him. Last week, he was the backup, and he put up 2.3. So even if he does just what he did last week, it only puts you kind of four points behind the eight ball there, right? So even if it's a rough week, uh, a $2,500 player for a rough week for them doesn't ruin your week, so to say. So uh, worth taking a chance on, potentially, if you have other good plays available. Let's take a look at wide receiver here. I'll scroll, scroll through the chart here. Uh, all the available options for those watching the video feeds. Uh, as you guys tell me first who you've got in your lineups at wide receiver, Trey, we'll give you a bit of time here to readjust, and uh, we'll go to Adam here first. Uh, Adam, what are you looking at at uh, receiver this week? Well, first pick I'm going to probably take is uh, Keon Schaefer-Baker, just because I don't know if K- uh, Kyron Moore or Shaq Evans is going to go this week. I think maybe one of them will, and we'll wait to see the depth chart on Friday, but uh, at the moment, I'm probably going to go with Keon Schaefer Baker for one of my picks just because he's had a consistent year. I mean, last week uh, against BC or the week before against BC, maybe not so much, but it seems like Cody does go to him when he can. I think he'd be up a pretty good pick. Uh, another one that I'm actually going to pick, which is on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, is Drew Wolitarski. Had a pretty good game last week. Uh, I think he had 11 point some points last week, 14 points actually, uh, $3,983. I can't afford Dalton Schoen anymore apparently because they decided to put him at $6,800. Those days were where he was 2,500, you knew they weren't going to last. So you had to go with him. Uh, and I've still got enough money that I'm probably going to look at one of the BC Lions uh, receivers. I just don't know which one anymore because they're all pretty valuable. Uh, Keon Hatcher is probably still my more reasonable one. Uh, same thing with Katoy. He, uh, Jeff on Jeff on Katoy is probably pretty reasonable as well. Uh, but that's what I'm looking at right now. Or I might just pick up Mitch Picton for real cheap and then see what I do up in the running back side of things. Uh, Trey, how about you? What are you thinking? Uh, don't forget Deron Carter, 4,410. You know, he might put up some points. Uh, no, right now, for sure, I have uh, Dalton Schoen. I think I've had on every week. I'll have to go through my history. I don't care how much that price goes up. I think it's a pretty safe bet. As long as he's not 13000 like Nathan Rourke, I think he'll be in my lineup. And I'm going to so go with... The Dalton Schoen Hall of Fame Cub is going to be uh, Trey Colbeck. Yeah, you know, well, he's a guy I'm, I'm, I'm really concerned that the Bombers are going to lose and the CFL might lose. But for a second, I'm going to go with... Uh, 
Ah, he's, he hosed me last week. I just needed two and a half points out of him more, but I'm going to go with Keon Hatcher. Let's see if he can give me a little bit of redemption. Now, my third receiver, I hemmed and hot. I had Janarian Grant. He moves back to, I think, second string now with some guys coming back from injury. But, you know, that return game, he had a nice punt return. He always has good kick returns, and those points count. So, you know, that's always uh, interesting. But then you did make a good point for Roller Tarski. Uh, he made he had a good game last week. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard him on Miked Up. He was pretty fired up on Miked Up uh, this week. He, he I met him once. Great, funny guy. So, so I'm between those two on there. But I'm for sure Shone and Hatcher. I think I'm leaning toward Grant. I just think that the special team's potential outweighs what Waller Torsky can do. Yeah, there's a couple interesting options this week. First of all, Dominic Grimes jumped up in price after his hat trick. He's now the second most expensive receiver behind Eugene Lewis. Uh, Adam, you mentioned a lot of the BC receivers. Yeah, I'm struggling with which one potentially to fit in a lineup as well. You know, Brian Burnham at 7,800 seems like it could be a decent discount, but if they if the offense is not going to put up 450 yards and five touchdowns, it becomes a question of which high-priced receiver is the ball going to the most. And then it's, you know, it, to me it feels almost a bit risky to put one of those in the lineup. But let me tell you some guys I do like this week. There's two guys in Hamilton I really am considering putting one of in my lineup. Steven Dunbar is good for a touchdown a week. He's been the go-to receiver for the Ticats. He's averaged 15 points a week. So far this season, he's at uh, just under $8,000. Um, and Tim White is uh, at 6700 or so. He's had a rough last two weeks, pretty down numbers for him. But Tim White plays his best games through last season and this season when Braylon Addison is out of the lineup because that's a big target that's out of the way. So he, I'm expecting him to jump back to what we saw earlier this season. I like Dunbar a little more for the consistency, but Tim White's one of those guys. I'm, I'm, I'm really strongly thinking of taking a chance on a bounce back this week. Of course, Dalton Schoen seems like he's a gimme player every single week. Uh, as we scroll down the list, I like a lot of those guys. Uh, Cam Phillips at 3,800 seems like a decent, cheaper mid-range play to me. If you want to go with an Argos receiver, you know, he's, he, he, he's averaged 10.7 at the big week with 18.5 last week, and he's a lot cheaper than guys like Gittens Jr. and, and Eric Rogers and things like that. Um, almost a little bit tempted. Mario Alfred, if I'm going a returner for 3,200 against that Elks team that gives up quite a bit uh, in the return game. They've given up a couple of touchdowns this season. Uh, but then the real cheap value play I'm – Kind of considering that if I want a $2,500 receiver this week, is Tyson Philpott of the Montreal Alouettes, who, uh, yes, he's a backup at wide receiver, but he will be handling kick returns this week. And I think he could get in for some plays if that offense struggles. He had a big game last week with 13.4 points, and I think there is a chance that he could be more involved in that Montreal offense going forward. So that kind of gives you a couple of players at each price range at wide receiver between the three of us. Now let's take a look at the defenses. Uh, BC is the most expensive at 4118. Uh, Winnipeg comes in at 3884. Calgary's at 3720. 
And then the rest of the field is at 3,200. And there's a team here I'm very surprised to see at minimum price. And that's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense. And I think that's where Trey was originally going before Adam reminded him uh, of uh, his, uh, his that he's not allowed to do so. Because that's where I'm probably going for this week. The Riders have one of the top fantasy defenses. They play a team in the Elks. That seems like a team you can pick on a little bit. And uh, that's kind of the best option I like on the board here right now is I'm probably going with the Riders. Uh, Well, Trey, uh, where are you going this week now that you've readjusted? Or are you just going to tell Adam, you know, screw the deal and uh, take him anyways? I won't say screw the deal, but I'll ask, like, what, what, do I have to wear a Rider shirt on Monday's show? Because I'll do that. I'm, I'm, I'm almost tempted on that, or I get your first round draft pick next year in the, uh, Oh, oh, I'm in a different league. I, oh, I don't know. Because, yeah, whatever thing Ryan said, that's what I was thinking um, all day. It's how is Saskatchewan at the defensive minimum playing against Edmonton and looking at these other – because I only have enough salary now for the minimum teams. And I don't know, Toronto and Hamilton, I don't know how I want to go with that. I'm not too confident in Montreal's defense against Winnipeg. Oh, unless Deron Carter gets five pick sixes, I don't think Edmonton's defense is going to help me much either. Mm, I might just have to take Saskatchewan and whatever, uh, whatever negative, whatever comes my way, I'll just have to roll with it. But if you have the money, then I would probably look at Calgary, Winnipeg, BC. If you if you save that, I think they're worth it. If you've saved some pennies, but. If you're if you're not in the Nathan Roar Hall of Fame voters yet, maybe you could fit some of those guys in, Adam. You know what? I uh, I was gonna say, Trey. I think we could let the fans decide what your punishment will be on uh, Monday, just to see what they give you over on the side here. So, chat, say what Trey needs to do for his punishment for thinking about picking the Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense, and uh, Monday he'll have to eat up. So. The, the callback on this, the reason this started, by the way, is didn't Trey pick the Riders' defense one week and they dropped a complete dud and Trey vowed he was never picking the Riders' defense again? And I keep reminding him of it every time that he even thinks about this. It's now, that being it. said, as somebody who needs you to win your matchup this week, I say, I say screw the deal, pick the Riders' defense. Oh, don't worry. We can think of an appropriate punishment at a time and place it to uh, your choosing. Anyways, uh, for my defense, yeah, no, I'm taking Saskatchewan. I mean, who wouldn't take Saskatchewan? It'd be a crazy move not to take Saskatchewan. Hey, I like that one from Chris. Hey, you got to, maybe you should uh, paint your face green. I like these ideas. Just keep them coming, guys. Save it for the Labor Day bet. Uh, anything anything else here on the defenses or we get we get to move on here I, it seems like Saskatchewan's the consensus and uh, Trey might need to do some soul searching to figure out whether or not he can take the riders defense. I'm all for painting my face but it's the beard I'm not willing to get rid of it so oh, I'll, it, yeah. it would only be like a little bit of green here and a little bit up here so I'll do it, but it's not a full face. I'm not getting rid of the beard. It's uh, it's at the length I like it, you know. You know, green beard. Right now, you got a little bit of orange in that beard. I mean, it's kind of lion's color. I think you should take a long walk around IGF Field tomorrow and think about it before you do it. 
oh man, I never thought I'd actually have to pick Saskatchewan. I was, <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I, uh, out of all the stupid bets I make on a daily basis, I thought that would have been a safe one, but now it's come to bite me and because I like my team and if I don't have a defense, I get DQ'd, right? So I gotta, gotta do something. Ah. Mm, yeah, we'll see. There's probably, it's probably going to be one of the two green teams. I'll probably leave it till, uh, Saturday night, and then you know, around eight fifty, I'll say, "Kate, Deron Carter needs a couple pick sixes for me." I will say, if you are looking for another, if you are looking for another thirty-two hundred dollar defense, I would maybe lean Toronto. You know, Hamilton beat up offensively. Matt Schultz getting the start doesn't have a ton of time as a starter, as much as I believe in him uh, there. And the Argos have put up some defensive points, so I'll give you that tray if you if you need an alternative yeah. option. I, I can handle painting my face a little darker blue on Monday. I can handle that. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our betting segment here, making our picks against the spread. Of course, this segment of the podcast is brought to you by BetStamp. There are so many different sports books out there these days. Each one offers you different prices on the same game. How do you ensure you're getting the best value? Well, BetStamp provides you the info at no additional cost. It's all free. You got to just simply pull up the game on the BetStamp app, as we will do here shortly. Uh, see the odds offered by each of the different uh, sports books for that game. Help you place your bet that will maximize the return for the pick you're making. If you're making a pick, you want to get the most money back if you are confident in the team you're picking. And if you find some odds you like, you can sign up straight through the BetStamp bet link page for the site. Make your bet on the corresponding betting affiliate. Uh, if you want extra insight before you place your wagers, uh, you can see what others are picking. You can see what we're picking over on the uh, commission-free bet stamp marketplace. Uh, search, uh, I think it's what, CF Countdown Pod over on there as well. Uh, you can find our consensus picks each and every week. And through BetStamp's verified bet tracking, you get the guarantee that those odds are verified and legitimate. Visit betstamp.app today. Or download the free app from your local app store. Sign up with referral code CFC. Uh, best of luck with your wagers. And remember, always bet responsibly as we turn things over to our resident betting expert, uh, Trey. Take it away with our uh, picks this week. Uh, what do you want up on the screen here? Do you want to, do you want to start off with, with our uh, results so far this season? Yeah. Or you want to... Yeah the results so the people at home you know to know who to listen to a little bit uh so we'll start up with i think i said yeah adam first uh currently third in the standings no, it is really respectable uh 19 and 16 uh you know i put in the batting averages up there Bat over 50 percent's fine last four weeks nine and seven is all right last two weeks you've kind of faded and i put up the last two weeks because the last two weeks is when we officially uh joined bet stamp uh so kind of keeping track there good thing adam doesn't keep track of them on bet stamp right now because uh those stats might be a little ishy you had a hot start man you were you were on uh, you were on my tail uh bad couple of weeks but you know, we'll just chalk that up to the riders having a bye week and you didn't know who else to pick uh but we'll move to the next slide oh and yeah, he's our businessman. I, I had a fun time coming up with my little slogans underneath there. Full-time businessman and brackets farmer. And hey, farmers are the biggest gamblers in the world. So, you know, maybe uh maybe think of what uh, Adam has to say. Next to Ryan, 
20 and 15. He's had a comeback 11 and five in the last four weeks. Pretty hot. Uh, last two weeks, five and three. Pretty, you know, he's the, the Padawan is learning. The quiet bad boy on the show. Who knew? I didn't, you know, Cooper Trooper, the little turtle man. Um, I'm pretty impressed with you, man. Young Padawan learning. I, I like it. You got to explain to him what a Padawan is now. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's uh, the Jedi learner. <laughs> anyway, I, I knew that was a Star Wars reference. Okay, uh, okay, I, I I can know my references, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm starting to learn things when it comes to betting as we go along. I'm learning I should trust Trey more often than I regularly do, and I'm learning never bet on the never wager a title on the Ottawa Red Blacks winning a game at home, which unfortunately, which fortunately, I don't have to do this week. So. Uh, we'll see what this week brings. Awesome. Move on in. Trey Colbeck, that's myself, author, philanthropist, and degenerate gambler. I'm leading the way right now, 22 and 13, uh, 0.629. Um, yes, Chris, I should have said he's my Sith apprentice more than anything. But last four weeks, I've had a hot one here. Uh, 80% batting average. 13 and three last two weeks, six and two. And in the green down there, that's my uh, bet stamp uh, stats. Um, I do on the app uh, based off of $25 bets. Uh, if you betted me over the last, betted with me over the last two weeks, you would have an $86 net gain, 43% return on investment. But again, bet responsibly and uh, bet what you feel is your, uh, your area. Next, we got the final, just the show. Last two weeks, we've uh, on bet stamp based off of $10 bets, I believe. That's what we do. 18.4% um, return on in uh, return on investment and $14. I think it was 14 and some change. I did the math real quick. So you're not making, you know, $10 bets. That's fine. You're still making $14 over two weeks. That's a, that's a coffee every day, right? Goofballs with a podcast, eh, yeah. I believe that's something. Uh, something I said over the last couple of weeks. So it's it's accurate. It's accurate. <laughs> yeah. But let's move on to uh, the actual uh, bread and butter here. The actual games. Uh, first game. I hate taking double digit spreads, but I think I have to. I think I have to take the bombers and the best uh, bets on cool bet. At minus 11, uh, 1.88 odds, it's a tough time. It's one of those games where, yeah, I could see Winnipeg just winning by three, but at the same time, they won by, what, 15 last week in Montreal? So it's tough to think they're going to win by less than 11 here. Ryan, what do you think? Well, first of all, I think we had some questions last week about the numbers that show up on this screen uh, where it was like minus 110, plus 110. We switched them up. We reconfigured it here, so it's showing the decimal amount. So, so Winnipeg at minus eleven for one point eight eight. I believe that's if you bet ten dollars and win, you would win an additional eight dollars and eighty cents. Is that? Do I have that right, guys? Does that sound right? I think I think that's what that is. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, we're looking at Winnipeg minus 11 or Montreal plus 11.5. Oh, I hate these spreads so much. I, 
Like, I never want to pick a team to win by 11, but uh, I feel like I kind of have to. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bombers here at home on this one. I'm really high on them at home, and I I think they can deliver it. And uh, it'll get to the fourth quarter, and then they'll put the pedal to the metal once again. Uh, Adam? Guys, I hate to do it, but i got to put the poutine to my mouth. Uh, 11.5 for the Montreal Alouettes is pretty big, and... You know what? The Bombers are playing at home. It's uh, home and home. Traditionally, home and homes don't go well for the team that won first. But it's in Winnipeg. Oh, I don't like these at all. Let me go with the Bombers, I guess. I'm really sorry, Gary. I'm really, really sorry. But uh, I just can't pick the Bombers that are 9-0 away from their are at home against with the alternate jerseys on, I should add. Uh, playing the Montreal Alouettes. I just, I just can't go against the Bombers. Yeah, I'll go win a paint this time. I'm going to go tell Gary you changed your mind and tell him to retract his thank you there, Adam. And uh, also, you said you hate to put the poutine to your mouth, but that's, that, that's the ideal. That That's the dream, isn't it? Like, like poutine's the way to go, man. Well, it is, but it, it feels so wrong to do it when you're not picking the Montreal Alouettes. I just, I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm... I'm going to debate this one. I'm, I'll, I'll get back to you tomorrow morning, but I think I'm going to take the Bombers. That's fine. All right now we're uh, we got two of us uh, picking the Bombers, so that will be the t uh, the the podcast will go that way. Next on to uh, Friday night. Okay, guys, this one I think I'm going to be different than you guys. I'm going to take the Argos plus uh, one and a half. Um, ooh, Pinnacle has them at plus one. It doesn't pay off as much. That one I might take. Plus one Argos. It's farther down on the screen. I'm gonna... Oh, maybe it's... Well, unless our screens are different. Oh, there it is. Pinnacle. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, an interesting stat came up on Twitter today. Dinwiddie, I believe, is undefeated in the second game of a back-to-back. So I'm going to take that, and uh, bright blue-eyed Dinwiddie's going to win this one. Guys, uh, let's go to Adam. What do you think? I look at this one, and I say that, again, teams don't usually win back-to-backs. You've got McCall Bethel-Thompson, who had a re- – well, not a good week last week either, but he had a better – he won the game at least for them last week. This week, he should lose this game because he seems to do that every time. So to me, I'm going to go with the Cats. I know they burned me last week. And it hurt badly. And now, that being said, though, Schultz is in. You know what? No, I got to switch it again. I'll go Toronto. Uh, just because, no, honestly, it's, this, this whole week is a disaster for me because I have no way to pick either one of these. Either it's way high of a, bit, of a number for the, uh, for the spread or it's this game with uh, backup quarterbacks and things that should be wrong. So I'm going to go against myself, and I'm going to pick the Toronto Argonauts too. Ryan? I just want to say something real quick. I messed up. I will take Toronto two and a half because that means they have to lose by two less. I screwed up and I was thinking they had to, I got it mixed up. So I'm going to take Toronto plus two and a half. Uh, bets nine, nine. It doesn't pay as much as the uh, one and a half, but I'm not too certain if I want to risk the one and a half. So Ryan, Toronto plus two and a half, or are you going steel town? 
Well, see, now I'm in a bit of a bind, although Adam helped me out here a little bit because I was originally leaning towards Hamilton as well, but then we would find ourselves in the situation where we're outweighing Trey two to one, and then Trey was going to be right, and then we'd never hear the end of it again. So I'm trying to figure out what to do with this, but now since my pick doesn't particularly matter here, I think I'm going to go with the Ticats at minus 2.5 because more often than not, I do think uh, home and home is a split and yeah, they are a little banged up, but so are the Argos. I think these are two teams that are going to play a lot of close games here and uh, I will take the the Ticats here at home in this one. I'll, I'll give them the slight edge. Do you want to take the two and a half that pays more? Or do you want to take the one and a half that pays a little less? Because I'll give you the one and a half if you want it. No, we'll go. We'll go based on the bet stamp best odds here. I'll go. I'll okay. go the minus two and a half Hamilton. Okay. 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 Sounds good. And next game, we're going to Saturday doubleheader. Ooh, this is the Sunday night football this week, I think, guys. But this is another tough one to pick. I hemmed and hawed about this one. I almost want to hear your guys' first, but I know that's not very betting expert of me. Boys, I'm going to take Calgary. Two and a half. Plus two and a half. I, I think... Oh, this is going to be one of those ones, if I'm right, I look like the biggest genius in the world, but if I'm wrong, I get laughed at for a couple of hours on Monday, so I, I'm going to take Calgary. Ryan, tell me how wrong I am. I'm taking the BC Lions. I mean, the odds here are BC. The best odds are BC at minus 1.5. I'm taking the Lions to win this one by an egg, Carton. A good old dozen eggs here. 12-point victory for the BC Lions, my early take of the week. I am very high on what they have done across the board offensively and defensively. And I don't think Calgary's offense is rolling as good as they should now. I think that's been, you know, helped by some strong defensive play. They haven't faced an offense yet like uh, the BC Lions. So uh, I believe in Nathan Rourke. I believe in the Lions. I believe in offensive coordinator Jordan McTimmitt. And I am taking the Lions to win a big game here against the Calgary Stampeders. Adam? I don't know, and I hate to be the one to decide to break this one. Uh, to be honest, I could see this going either way. I mean, either Bo Levi Mitchells is going to have an heck of a game and absolutely trample the BC Lions, and that could happen just as easily as Nathan Rourke could light up and start hitting receivers and absolutely could just take it to the Calgary Stampeders. One way or another, some team is going to win big in this one, I think. That's going to be my bold prediction of it. But I think it's going to be the BC Lions. I hate to pick against Trey. I was debating this one here for quite a while as well because I was looking at Bet Stamp uh, earlier this evening and trying to figure out what to do in this game. But eh, one and a half, I think I got to go with the BC Lions. No, guys, it, it was a tough one, and um, I'll, I'll put I'll give you guys a little insight to how I make these decisions because my girlfriend asked me this after Monday's show. How do you actually pick this? And I say I look at it for about a minute, and it's just whatever whichever team I can look at, and I want to vomit less, and then that's the one that I take. So right now, Calgary at plus two because this one could be a field goal game too, right? And in the CFL, a field goal game could be one or two points with the pesky rouge. If this was NFL, I think I'd take BC winning by a field goal. But with that rouge, I don't know. But we'll go on to our finale of the weekend. Oh, yeah, right? 
the Canadian Football Countdown, helping you make money and limit your vomit levels. Exactly. Goofballs with a podcast have multiple talents, guys. We got fantasy uh, and betting and how to reduce vomit. But yeah, Rough Riders go into Commonwealth or Brookfield at Commonwealth. Oh, this was another one I hemmed and hawed at. I, I think Saskatchewan's going to win. But are they going to win by, you know, nearly a touchdown was my question. I'm going to take the Rough Riders. Am I allowed to take the Rough Riders here, Adam? Okay, I'll take the Rough Riders here, minus five and a half. Uh, brought to you by CoolBet on this one at uh, 1.88. I don't remember. I think we're going to go with uh, Adam here. What do you think about your Rough Riders? Sorry, I was breaking up there for a moment. Uh, you know what? I mean, I probably have already annoyed the province of Saskatchewan with my criticism of the Rough Riders over the last few weeks. And let's face it, I think Edmonton's going to play a pretty good game because Chris Jones hates losing against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Of all teams, I'm sure he doesn't like losing against the Riders. But let's go with the Riders this week. Uh, five and a half, I'll take them. And... Uh, Hopefully I can enjoy a good Slurpee out of a Saskatchewan Rough Rider Cup later on. Right? Yeah, I'm going the Riders here on this one as well. If it was a bigger line, I would have a harder time. But minus five and a half, I think that's reasonable. Uh, like I said, I think they're going to get better now as they start getting more guys back from injury. I think the bye week could have helped a lot. I think uh, it's going to help Cody Fajardo get uh, a little better out there. And I think having some of those extra pieces are going to help as well. So uh, not projecting a 30-point victory like, uh, like you know, BC put up over Edmonton or 40 or however many it was. But uh, I think the Riders can win this one by a touchdown. So let's make it Saskatchewan across the board here. Sounds good, guys. So, yeah, it, recap. Uh, we all agreed Winnipeg uh, minus five and a half to open up on Thursday. And then this is when things start getting divided. Um, Toronto, Adam and I took Toronto, but uh, or sorry, Adam and I took Toronto, and Ryan took Hamilton at minus two and a half, and we took uh, Toronto plus two and a half. Calgary, I'm the lone duck here taking Calgary plus two and a half because I'd rather okay, I'd rather Nathan Rourke prove me wrong than Bo Levi, right? If I have to sit on Monday's show. And talk about how Bo Levi threw five touchdowns and 400 yards and one, or at least lost by less than two points, and how I had that one wrong. I, I'd rather paint my face green and take the Saskatchewan defense than that. So that's a tough one. And then you guys took BC. Yeah. And then we all were again agreed Saskatchewan minus five and a half. Uh, yeah. And this is brought to you by Betstamp. I don't know if this is an official tagline, but this is a game changer of an app for people who like to bet. And even if you're a new to this is good for new bettors. You can see the different um, different things. You see the different odds. You track it. I've always wanted something to track my betting because uh, it can kind of, you know, because if you, it's, it's nice. You, it's color coded. You got the green. So if you see the green, in this case, it isn't vomit. Green means money. And you see the red maybe means you should stop betting so much, right? So it's great, great app to have. It's a great, great uh, partnership we created here. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. Uh, one quick note. I think when you recap there, you may have mentioned we took Winnipeg at minus five and a half. It was Winnipeg at minus 11. 
uh, just to correct. No, that I, right originally. I was accidentally reading last week, so I have them right next to each other. We all took Winnipeg last week at five and a half, so why not add another five and a half points to that, right? Yeah, it's simple math, right? I'm an English. I'm a writing major, guys. I don't know math. <laughs> I, I still think I'm going to mess with you guys in a little while and switch that one to Montreal and get my uh, buddy Gary liking me again. Ah, sellout. He's a sellout. No, um, no, of course. Uh, and remember, uh, when you're betting, bet responsibly. Don't bet the farm. When you're making your CFL fantasy picks or your bets, check the depth charts, check the injury reports, because uh, those can impact a lot of things. So we get ready to wrap things up here on our Week 10 preview. Um, what do we got coming up next here on the podcast? Well, Monday night, we'll be recapping week number 10 uh, here live, 9 p.m. Winnipeg time, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan, other time zones adjust accordingly. And then uh, same time, same place next Wednesday, we'll be uh, previewing week number 11. Uh, of course, you can catch all of these shows over on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and the Game Time TV YouTube page. Join us live there. Join us in the chat. Have some fun with us. We had some great comments here along the way. Always appreciate those who check it out live. Uh, and that's all made possible thanks to our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV, which you can learn more about at facebook.com slash GameTimeTVMB. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at CF Countdown Pod there. Make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network at, at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Uh, guys, where can we find what you've got going on these days? Uh, Trey, let's start with you. Yeah, you can find me at Trey MB Harness. I'm usually tweeting about horse racing or other betting stuff. Real quick, though, I love Gary Stern. So he, I guess he he tweets today about uh, he didn't know about the BC owner uh, throwing shade at MLSE. And now he tweets, how about everyone quit criticizing MLSE? They pour tremendous amounts of money into the team, have not found a solution to tracking fans. I love it. I actually love this a little bit. I don't mind the owners going at each other on the field, but, you know, I like seeing the owners, uh, well, this owner supporting where the other owner kind of, you know, went after MLSC. We all know MLSC. We all know they're kind of the Darth Vader of the CFL right now, uh, as owners-wise. So I love Gary Stern, uh, Adam, keep keep it up, man. We got to get him on the show. But uh, yeah, at Trey MB Harness, if you want harness horse racing stuff, uh, football stuff, UFC. I'm sure me and Adam will have some uh, football uh, Star Wars gifts that Ryan will scratch his head about. Uh, yeah, Adam. Yeah, no, you can find me at Adam Stewart One, but also don't forget to check out Mike Garrell. He's over at Mike Garrell as well. Uh, you can always find him there. Uh, he's always got some good insights or some hockey stuff or some football stuff, or I'm sure he's going to be talking about the world juniors, which we didn't even mention once tonight. I thought maybe one stray would have brought it up, but, uh, glad we didn't. Uh, it's good. I thought about it, but seeing that the, what the tendons looked like, I didn't know if anyone knew it was going on, you know, yeah. so. <laughs> just kidding mike because i know mike was talking it up last week and you know hockey good on hockey canada for at least in the international for at least trying to get this in and probably the worst time of the year to play hockey but yeah <laughs> yeah so again you can find me at adam stewart one i've got all sorts of cool stuff and again the uh be afraid harvest photos are coming and they will be coming hard and heavy very soon um ryan where can you guys find you 
Well, first, Adam, where can people, for the farm stuff, people can find it over on YouTube as well, right? So where can people yeah. find that? Yeah, you can find it over at Farmer in Saskatchewan. I know there's a few of them, but that was mine and it was available, so I took it. Uh, so yeah, you can find me doing random farm stuff. I did a July update. I'll have a July, August update here pretty soon for those videos. I like to post a lot of little shorts as well. So just little things going on in the farm. And also on Instagram, if you really want to find me there. Also, I have the farmer in Sask Instagram. If you want to really, really look at farm stuff, I guess. Right? Yeah, yeah of course. Check out all the great things these guys are doing over on all the places on social media and all of their other great things. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at CooperTrooper42. I'm sorry to disappoint. It'll probably be less exciting because I really don't tweet a whole lot um, throughout the day. But if you want to talk CFL, CFL Fantasy, you can uh, you can tweet me up there and we can... Uh, have a discussion on anything there, of course. Uh, you can tweet us at CF Countdown Pod. I run that. So uh, if you, you see a response from somebody there, that's me. Hello. Um, and uh, of course, uh, make sure you uh, check out everything we've got going on in the show every single week. We have a lot of fun here with all of you. Whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we appreciate it. If you do all the fun things such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. And on behalf of our panel here this evening, Trey Colback and Adam Stewart, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.